We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's just jump right into it. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready. Let's light this bottle rocket. Fill in the blank. Today's announcement that Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick will step down next year with NBC Sports Chairman and 1993 Notre Dame alum Peter Bavacqua set to replace him is blank. Uh, it's it's surprising in my opinion. You know, I, I've heard the rumors that Jack Swarbrick, uh, you know, that his, his time was kind of coming up rather soon. Um, I just never thought it would actually happen. I thought that he had, you know, many more years left in him before, you know, ultimately deciding to kind of uh, leave as, as athletic director. I guess what also surprises me is, you know, what kind of what the reaction is going to be. And then going forward, um, is it going to be a good thing or is it going to be a bad thing? Or is it just one of those things that doesn't really have any, you know, altering effect on, on what's going on right now. So, I'll be curious to see, um, you know, how how this last year goes for Jack. And I guess I'm curious, too, like what was his overall deciding factor um, to kind of step down at this moment? You know, so there's a lot of unanswered questions. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing right now is getting some of those unanswered questions answered. Yeah, I was a little surprised by the move. But at the same time, I'm intrigued by the succession plan that they've got going on. And, you know, Brian and I did a show this afternoon already. We were on for three hours talking about this and, you know, like there's, there's some definite questions. One of the first things Brian mentioned was, okay, you've got this successor in place. He's coming over from NBC sports. He's got this great business background in Pete Bavacqua, but he's never worked in intercollegiate athletics before. So there's going to be a lot, you know, for him to learn. But at the same time, Jack Swarbrick had never worked in intercollegiate athletics before. And things really, when you look at the balance sheet, they worked out pretty well for Notre Dame and Jack Swarbrick in the 15 years that he's been there. And the benefit that Bavakwa is going to have coming into this that Jack Swarbrick didn't is he's essentially going to get to be the understudy for ho- however long this is going to last. You know, like Brian was saying, it, 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 will probably be before next July, you know, July 2024, 
that Jack Swarbrick steps down and Bavakwa, you know, kind of ends up being the guy himself. But in the meantime, he's going to have this time, you know, to 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 serve as the understudy and kind of get his feet wet and have Jack Swarbrick show him the ropes, something that, you know, Swarbrick didn't have that advantage of. Kevin White moved on to Duke. Swarbrick took over. And, you know, there were some things that kind of had to be learned on the fly, I guess. But uh I think it's going to be an interesting transition. And the biggest question, you know, like what's, do you have, you know, like the concern, a lot of people concern question, maybe the people have the two biggest things that have come up so far. Does this mean Notre Dame is going to, you know, automatically stay with NBC for the, for the TV contract. And does this also mean that Notre Dame is headed to the big 10? Were either one of those things one of the biggest questions that popped into your head when this came up? Um, no. I I biggest question that came to my mind is who is this Pete guy, <laughs> and um, what credentials does he have to be the athletic director? Because, in my opinion, um, you know, being an athletic director, it's it's not an easy job and, and, and to do it with no prior experience. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little bit concerned to be honest with you, just because of those reasons. I feel like athletic directors should have past experience in being an athletic director. Um, and, or at least, you know, being a part of some sort of, like you said, intercollegiate sport, you know, maybe you're not directly the athletic director, but you have some sort of involvement and it just really seems like, that Pete has none of that. Like, I don't, I just don't know who this guy is. And so when they announced it, it was quite literally like, okay, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, it, and it, it was quite literally the same thing when Jack Swarbrick took over 15 years ago. It, he was not a household name by any means. It worked out well. You know, Pete Bavacqua is a Notre Dame alum. He was a walk-on for Lou Holtz, a walk-on punter in 1993. So He's been a part of the football program. He has a Notre Dame degree. I, I think that 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 obviously is a factor here when you look at the fact that Swarbrick is a Notre Dame alum as well. He's got a Georgetown law degree. He worked his way up outside of TV. You know, he he came up really with the PGA is where his inroad in sports came in. And what I like about him, when you look about like what's the what are the two biggest questions that Notre Dame has right now the apparel deal which is really number two but the TV contract they've got one year left on the apparel deal they've got two years left on the TV contract the TV contract is going to have to be negotiated and so you've got the guy the head of NBC Sports who is also a Notre Dame alum coming in and he's going to be a part of that process now and you know again I think that that's what's led some people to believe well, he, you know, this means that they're going to just stick with NBC Sports. I think, personally, he's only been at NBC for four years. I think, it, it, it personally, he's got the inner workings of what's going on at NBC. He's negotiating now on behalf of Notre Dame, not on behalf of NBC. He, you know, he knows what the number is that NBC can go to. And it's going to be his legacy online when this TV contract is negotiated and whatever happens with, you know, joining conferences or staying independent and all these different things. So 
I think it's a very intriguing hire. You know, the biggest knock on him again is like the hiring and firing of coaches and NCAA rules and regulations and all these different things. Uh, he's been on the outside of it, but the other side of it, the again, the biggest the biggest thing that he's going to have to deal with here within the first year or so of being on the job is this TV contract. And he has negotiated rights deals on both sides of that, both for the PGA with a TV network and for NBC, you know, with entities like the NFL, the Big Ten, the Olympics, all these different things. So I think he's a very intriguing hire. I definitely do like the fact that that he's a Notre Dame alum stepping into this as well. Yeah, I think that being a Notre Dame alumni um, is one of the things that is probably the most comforting of the situation. And I don't know how far that really, you know, is going to help or take him. Um, but there at least is some, like, it's a guy who is like, obviously it's his alma mater. So he's got to have some passion and love for it. Right. Like it's the, right. the school that he went to. So again, that's something that is, um, at least makes me feel better about the situation. Like I'm sure everything will be fine and pan out. Um, but again, it's just, I, I, not that I know every person in the world, but I've just never heard of this person before. <laughs> Honestly, I really hadn't either until a few weeks ago. The first time I had, I I think that I had probably, I might have seen the name before, but when Marcus Freeman was at the Kentucky Derby with a lot of his staff and their wives a few weeks ago, you know, last month, they were there in the NBC suite as guests of Pete Bavacqua. And that was the first time I had seen his name, real, you know, that I remember anyway, was in that online diary that Katie Lonergan from Notre Dame Sports Information was doing about all of Marcus Freeman's travels, she specifically mentioned that, that Freeman and the staff and their wives were there as the guests of Pete Babakwa in NBC. So I, I, you know, I, I think when you look at that, like the fact that I think that that's a great sign that Pete Babakwa was, sort of forging that relationship with the head coach of the Notre Dame football team and some of the guy, you know, people on the staff as well, and probably a foreshadowing of this announcement earlier today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, fill in the blank on this next one. It's blank that ESPN.com did a ranking of the top 25 schools with the top incoming transfers and freshman classes combined. And Notre Dame is not on that list. I think it's absurd that Notre Dame's not on that list because you look at, you know, what, what was the number one thing that they needed out of the transfer portal this year? It was a quarterback. They got that. They got the best quarterback out of the portal, the guy with the most experience. How that's going to translate to Notre Dame, we don't know. But the fact that they were still able to grab, again, the top quarterback out of the portal, and we've seen – you know, what these freshman recruiting classes have been since Marcus, you know, since Marcus Freeman has been here, they've been some of the, you know, top 10 recruiting classes in the country. So, you know, when you say, when you combine that on top of, again, getting the best quarterback out of the portal, I just find it absurd that that combination together um, isn't, isn't good to be in the top 25. And you start looking at some of the teams in the top 25, it's like Arizona state, Indiana, um, TCU, Louisville, um, you know, just to name a Auburn. few that are like, yeah, it's just like you're really telling me that those those schools combined, again, they they had the best quarterback, you know, coming out of the transfer portal, and they're also top 10 in the recruiting classes every year. I just don't really buy it. It seems like there's some maybe some sort of biasy, and, you know, maybe I'm just being a, a homer Notre Dame fan, but it just feels like, out of all, they, they should at least be in the top 25, okay? Like, if you don't want to put them in the top 10, well, 15, whatever it might be, I still believe that, you know, that they're a top 25 all, I, all in all. Especially when you look at, you know, because this is not just transfer portal, not just incoming freshman class. This is a combination of the two. So Notre Dame ended up with the number 12 recruiting class in the country. And then, like you said, okay, maybe they're not that impressed with Thomas Harper or Antonio Carter, Javante, John Baptiste, but they got the most productive quarterback, you know, returning in college football. The quarterback is the most important position on the field. And you look at some of the recruiting rankings of these teams that are on this top 25, Wisconsin at number 49, Maryland at 33, Arizona State at 46. So you're telling me that Arizona State's number 46 recruiting class combined with getting Drew Pine and a couple of transfers from Idaho State and Sacramento State is more impactful than Notre Dame adding Sam Hartman in the number 12 recruiting class in the country. That's exactly what I was getting at. Like the combination right. of those two, like I get it if if the other recruits, like you said, don't you know tickle you in a, in a certain way, but they grabbed the best quarterback out of the portal and they grabbed a guy who is, you know, an all up there in all-time rankings in, in college football. Right. And I and I, I you know, I, I understand there's still questions about his game. And so maybe there's like, oh, is are those numbers inflated? Is he really that good? But, you know, that's you can't you can't judge a guy unless he's gone out there and done it. You can only judge him off of what he's done so far. So you can't judge him for what what he has or hasn't done yet at Notre Dame. You got to judge him on what he's done at, at Wake Forest. And I mean, that's again, that's just said about almost every single, you know, college football passing record. And then you throw in again that Marcus Freeman is just killing it, recruiting these freshman classes. It's like, there's just no way. I, I don't buy it one bit. Yeah, and again, you know, like 
UCLA, number 31 recruiting class. Louisville, number 32 recruiting class. TCU, 19. Arkansas, 22. Kentucky, 34. You just, uh, you know, now Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama are on this list. They're actually lower, you know, and they obviously have really good recruiting classes that they sign. They have some of the top recruiting classes, but you just, you, you can't tell me that like looking at UCLA with a number 31 recruiting class and Wisconsin with a number 49 recruiting class and Notre Dame at number 12, that either one of them added a player that's going to have as much impact as Sam Hartman. Is going to well that, that and not only that but like surpass them right like right because you need to do enough to catch up to sam hartman and then they're saying well they've done that and they're doing even more by surpassing you and i think irish shaitan brings up a good point like hartman's gonna be a, a college football hall of famer right you know whatever that weight carries he's still gonna be one of the greater college football players ever and again combined with the number 12 ranking class recruiting class and it, somehow everyone else has a combination that's just blowing right. past Notre Dame. Right. Notre Dame had a higher rated recruiting class than 17 of the top tw- uh, than 17 of these 25 teams alone and then you throw on getting Sam Hartman there's no way that that they should even be outside the top 10 in this list. But yeah, they're they're not the top 25. <laughs> okay. All right. Clickbait. Okay, gotcha. Which sport? Here's a question. Which sport, I guess these are all questions, but which sport would you rather see Notre Dame play a home-and-home series against, Purdue in men's basketball or football? Oh, man. So this is tough because Notre Dame basketball is Notre Dame basketball. Like, do I get overly excited about – am I tuning in – religiously regularly to watch Notre Dame men's basketball. I'm not, I do. I tune in and watch every single Notre Dame football game. I do. Has Purdue football been pretty decent? You know, the last few years they have obviously Purdue basketball has been one of the better programs in the last nation last year. Yeah. But still that, that doesn't do a lot for me. And I I've said it before on this show, probably a while back at this point, I'm a huge fan of rivalries and especially, you know, the football ones that involve uh, the trophies. And I believe if I'm right, Notre Dame and Purdue's is the gold. No, what is their trophy? I'm going to look it up real quick. Notre Dame versus Purdue. It's football. been a while. I forgot what trophy. trophy. Is it one of the shillelaghs? I thought it was the golden shillelagh. And there's that's what I, I think there's two of them. Um, oh, I don't know why I can't think of it. Why did it? You just go ahead and keep talking. I'll find the I'll find the trophy <laughs> thing. But yeah, I, I'm a fan. Uh, it is the Shillelagh Trophy. Okay. I'm a fan of the you know, Jewel Shillelagh. Is that just it? the regular Shillelagh? The Jewel Shillelagh is someone else. But I think that's USC. Yeah, I'm I'm just a fan of the rivalry games, and I think it means more in football than it does basketball. Notre Dame in basketball hasn't really done much to establish relationships with their in-state kind of schools: Purdue, IU you know, et cetera, they, they, they haven't, those aren't what are considered rivalries. Notre Dame and Purdue are an established rivalry in football. There is more meaning to it. There's more history behind it. Again, there's a trophy with it. So I'm going to have to say that a home and home with Purdue um, is what I would prefer. And I, I don't think in that football. that's, I don't think that that's a, I, I think that's a good thing too, because that's not like a weak out of conference opponent. It's a big 10 opponent. I think that it, you know, there's, there's, it's not like Michigan playing Connecticut or, 
you know, whoever their non-conference schedule is every year. But I, I just think it, it, it it's good for all aspects. It's, it's good for the rivalry. I have more interest in the football. And again, there's a trophy for it. So why not? See, all that talking you did, it all that means is they should be doing it in basketball and not football. <laughs> because I just the the amount of venom spewed by Purdue when it came to those football games, I just like Purdue fans, I just got tired of it. The stepbrother, the stepchild syndrome. I could not take it. I did not like it. I was tired of it. To me, it was one of those games that was played every year, but it was a game that Notre Dame was supposed to win. So it was never, you know, that much fun, you know, and then, you know, there were the, the, the few times in the early 2000s when Purdue would win those games. The Drew Brees years. And yeah, like the Drew Brees. And even after Drew Brees, you know, like like Tyrone Willingham, Charlie, you know, like the, all those guys had some problems. So you're basically saying Purdue it doesn't, if they win, it's just like, oh, they're supposed to yeah. win. If they lose, it's like, well, how did you lose to Purdue? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it was one of those quote unquote rivalry games. that was a much, much bigger on the part of Purdue than it was for Notre Dame. Kind of like Michigan state, you know, like everyone talks about USC and Michigan as the rivals, but when Notre Dame was playing Michigan state and Purdue every year, in addition to those, other two you can't feel the same about every game and michigan you know when it came to michigan state and purdue those games meant much more to the other side than they meant to notre dame basketball i mean you you hit it there at some point where like there isn't that much tradition with with notre dame and purdue they've played very infrequently but they're not that far apart I would not mind seeing them play. You know, again, we're talking about a home and home. I'm not talking about it has to happen every year. Even if you ever only schedule it, you know, like a home and, you know, like, so like maybe this year they, they host Purdue next year, they go to Purdue. Then you take a couple years off and then you do it again or something like that. I think it would be more fun to do it against basketball because there isn't nearly as much history there as there is with football because of the history with football, I'm not as high on that. I would just rather see them do it in basketball. And it would, you know, like there aren't there, as we've talked about before, there aren't a lot of natural rivals for Notre Dame when it comes to basketball, especially men's basketball. Maybe this, you know, like if they played Purdue a little bit more often, it could it could turn into a rivalry at some point. And right now, Notre Dame's the underdog. So why not? Yeah, because it only looks good for Notre Dame if they win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and especially in terms of Notre Dame's non-conference schedules, they're never that exciting. So why not throw them on there every few years? I would I would be more up for that than with football. So I saw somebody throw this up there in the chat. We were going to talk about it anyway. So here we go. Everyone got excited a few weeks ago with the announcement of EA Sports. You know, when they said they were going to pay players for their name, image, and likenesses with the return of next year's college football video game. So now news has come out that the College Football Players Association is urging eligible players to boycott the use of their likeness in the game due to the reported potential payment of 500 bucks per player. So what do you make of this situation, Jess? Huh. <laughs> this is a tough one because 
you look at it on paper and you're like $500, right? Not a lot per person for what's coming out of the game. Five, five years ago, $500 would have been a victory because there was no NIL and they, you know, nobody was making money off anything. Right. But go ahead. But you're looking at it in 2023 and the current landscape of the NIL, like 500 bucks is a drop in the bucket. Like that's mm -hmm. a penny compared to what a lot of these guys can get. But but what you got to look at is there's like roughly 15,000 Division One players, right? And so you take 15,000 and you times that by 500. I mean, that's 7.5 million right there off the bat. Just off of 500. So if you double that and give everyone a thousand, then you're looking at 15 million dollars. Well, I think we can knock a couple million off because you're right, like 17, 15,000 or whatever. 85 times 133 on scholarship is closer to 11,000, I think. So, yeah, you're right. You're, so, you're closer to like 5.6 million bucks, but still, yeah. I get so your then point. Looked up, you know, what what the college football game usually generates in revenue for EA sports. Correct. And it's about 125 million on, on average. And you got to look at it too, that EA sports hasn't done a game in a while. So I'm assuming that this new one, since it's hasn't been out, you know, solid supply and demand after being gone for so long, everyone's going to rush and get it. I think they're going to have a boom in sales because it's back. Everyone's going to want it. It's going to be the new craze. Da, 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 da. So I think that number will be close to like 150 million. Long story short, just give them a thousand dollars each. I think 500 is too little. I think it's kind of a, almost a slap in the face, in my opinion. I don't know how far I would go about of like boycotting and you know that kind of stuff, but I still think that they should get paid a little bit more. I would I would sit at a thousand dollars. And again, you have to look at the totality of everyone that they have to pay. And it's a free $1,000. You didn't have to do anything for it. All they're going to do is slap your name on the back of a uniform in a video game. I do think that they need to get something, but I do, I, and I think 500 is not enough. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not, like, outraged by it, but I, I do think that $1,000 would be more of a, a solid landing point, in my opinion. Ed O'Bannon did not lead a class action lawsuit so that guys could make 500 bucks for a video game. It is chump change. It is, <laughs> it is, it, it is a, it is a, it is a joke. It is an insult that if, if $500 is the real number now, you know, like, I think that there is a way around it where like, does everyone across the board who's on one of these rosters have to get the same amount, right. you know, like, like just so like ration it based off of starters. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're, if you're a starter, then you get maybe a thousand or 2000 bucks. If you are a roster player, then, you know, maybe you get between a hundred bucks and 500 bucks. You're getting something, but if you are not a star, then you don't need to be making as much as the guys who are in the starting lineup. I think you need you know? to go at it in a way of like there's three tiers, tier one, tier two, tier three. Tier one, your starters, your stars. Tier two, kind of maybe a guy who sees some special teams here and there, backup. And then, you know, tier three, the bench warmers, the guys that you 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 probably won't see the entire year. Right. You know, and, and then what about like 
Caleb Williams, for example. Right, let's the say, Heisman. How does he get the same say, as everyone else? Well, not just the Heisman. And I, what I was going to say is, let's say he ends up being on the cover. You know, like Josh Allen is on the cover of the NFL game this year. Josh Allen's getting some money that they don't for that. They don't just get to use his likeness. And by the way, Madden apparently plays NFL players seventeen grand for Ooh. for their name, image, and likeness. That I mean, that's, that's a big a good no. little nugget there. Now, now Madden is going to sell more because it's Madden, and you also have fewer NFL players. But still, the difference between seventeen thousand and five hundred <laughs> is quite substantial, especially when the guy's making seventeen thousand bucks. That's basically chump change to most of them because they're making millions already. But you know, I guess my point is, you know, what are you paying the guy who ends up on the cover? You know, like is he getting a million bucks? For being on the cover, you know, is there going to be some kind of sliding scale for all this? I think there needs to be. I don't think everybody needs to make the same amount for being in this game. Otherwise, just make up a bunch of numbers and just make it generic. I realize everybody got excited because they, you know, they found out they were going to use real players in this whole thing. But just make the game and and don't base it on anybody. Well, that's the thing is that you have two blueprints you can do it you can do it generically like you were talking about and not have to pay anyone or you can go the route that they're going and i think that if you're going to go that route you have to do what we were talking about you have to pay one pay them more or create a tier system where you know tier one gets five percent tier two gets two percent and tier three gets one percent and whatever those equivalencies are then that's what you're going to get but the 500 to me just feels again like a oh well we're we're trying here. We're not giving you nothing, but we're not going to give you much. So here's $500. Yeah, exactly. Archer's asking if we saw the new Big Ten schedule for 24 and 25. Just glanced at it briefly because Jesse was working his day job and I was doing a three-hour show with Brian this afternoon. It'll come up on tomorrow's show, though. We will uh, definitely be talking about that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Baseball's new pitch clock rules have been, uh, you know, fairly well received for the most part, but there has been some pushback as well. There are even some fans who are calling for lower ticket prices because of the shorter games. Do you buy or sell that? Um, I, I still got this bird dancing outside my window, by the way. <laughs> huh. You've been to many more... I haven't been to any major league games this year since the new rules. You've been to at least a handful of games. So you kind of have something to base it on. What do you think? I'm I'm pretty torn. You know, for, for the Guardians, we do the monthly pass. Um, so that's just like a fixed price. So, I, you know, for $50, I get a home ticket standing room only for every game of that month. So that's not bad. I can't complain about that. But when I went to Wrigley, it's, you know, it was expensive. I, I do buy the I, I ultimately I buy it because I do think that if you're going to keep concession prices the same um, and, and this is what 
this is what's going to get what what their logic is going to be. Well, we're selling less concessions, so why would we also lower our ticket prices right. as exactly. well? So it, it's not going to happen. Um, but me personally, as a fan, I do believe that since your experience is shorter, um, and again, that everything else is, you're probably probably going to see a little bit of climb in, in concession prices to try to, you know, catch back up to well, old old quantities and, and revenue. I, I do think that tickets should should be a little bit cheaper. And I've you know I've always been under the assumption too that like there should be a hometown discount for a lot of these people for you know people who who live in the wherever you're at your home team. You know you should do what you can to get as many of the locals there as possible to, you know, you see these stadiums and half of them are empty. Um, and it's like, well, if you just, you know, lowered some tickets or maybe handed out some free ones here and there, I'm sure you'd get much more, you know, better attendance. Archer says uh, he lived in, is it Medina before yeah, moving Medina. to Georgia? Had a great time at the Indians games a few it's years about 30 ago. minutes South of here. Yeah. I mean, this whole dilemma, like, I kind of said this going in when I'm at a game, I don't mind a longer game. I don't mind three plus hours when I pay to go to a game and have that experience. When I'm watching on TV, it's a different story. And just like everything, they've made this decision to satisfy TV, you know, to, to move things along quicker on TV. And, and I think it specifically is done with the idea of what happens in the postseason, because you have these four-hour postseason games, you know, with all the pitching changes that keep on dragging on. Now, obviously, they they also wanted to, you know, bring some action to the game, so there wasn't so much downtime, you know, to get more people right. interested in the games. But you know, this is this is part of the dilemma: the fact that when I'm at the game, I want it to last as long as possible because I've shelled out a lot of money. When I'm watching on TV, it's not as important. It's much less important that the games go as long. Maybe a compromise is like in the seventh thing, you start offering a concession price discount, you know, to get like more people, you know, to, to go buy more concessions before the game ends. You know, in some cases, I think we've talked about this before, They've extended beer sales because they were never required to cut off beer sales at the seventh inning stretch. Most of them just did it out of, you know, the whatever, you know, if they want to call it, you know, their their own responsibility. But as we've talked about before, you know, like alcohol sales at bars go into the wee hours of the night and people are at bars for the sole purpose of drinking some socializing. But drinking whereas when you're at a ball game not everyone is there to get drunk so uh, uh, there, there has to be some kind of compromise I, I can't see them ever cutting ticket prices but again why not just offer a little bit of a concession price discount in the late innings and maybe by you know because you've already got a huge markup and maybe by doing that you get more people rushing to the concessions late in games to buy more stuff whatever it happens to be that's the best I can do. <laughs> Fill in the blank. It's blank that according to the New York Post, umpires refer to New York Yankees manager Aaron Boone as Karen in their circles. That's pretty hilarious to me. Um, there's there's nothing more than I like to hear than, uh, it, you know, whether it's a Yankees player, manager, whatever it might be, any sort of, uh, you know, I guess poking fun at or kind of making fun of, I'm all for 
Um, you know, I've seen I've seen Aaron Boone recently. You know, on as as man, like I I have the MLB pass, so I watch a lot of the games, and it, it, it he he does remind me of a Karen because he's always whining and complaining and chirping from the dugout, and it's just at some point it's got to get annoying. Like you know, my biggest qualm with the NBA this year is guys seem to cry about wanting fouls after almost every play it seems like and I feel like he is the equivalent in the MLB he's just always complaining about something every single game Mm -hmm. and I'm sure the umpires know that they're like oh what's Boone gonna what's Boone gonna you know complain about today or what's it gonna you know get upset about today and it's it it just has to get annoying after a while so I think it's funny it's it's obviously gotten to the point where they don't take him seriously anymore and it's just kind of become a big joke to them. <laughs> and uh, apparently they don't, you know, they don't press the issue, you know, like with, with Major League Baseball or anything more because they want him to keep his job because they don't want to help out the Yankees, according to the according to the post in this report, which is hysterical. I just think it's it's hilarious that that Boone has this reputation because he's, you know, he's already annoyed most of the Yankees fans I think I think that they're sick of him at this point as well but again you know like unless you're a Yankees fan I don't think there's going to be too many tears shed for you so but (laughs) you're absolutely right he's like he obviously has the reputation as one of the worst sometimes you just got to sit down and shut up and and not be chirping all the time so I think it's great well, that's it for today. We we flew right through that. I thought we to- had the uh, Penn State schedule. Now we were going to do that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save that as well because we added on some of the other stuff for today. So we're postponing it. Yes. Well, everyone will have to uh, eagerly wait my Penn State prediction. Then. <laughs> All right. Um, will you be here tomorrow? There is a very good chance that I will be. All right. Excellent. I'm glad that you will be. Um, And by the way, question from Tommy Guns. Can we get the actual pronunciation on her name? He is speaking of Niel Ivy, not Niall Ivy. (laughs) Niel Ivy. You know who I'm talking about if you know who I'm talking about. All right, Jess, great stuff from you. Thanks to uh, everyone for joining us today. And, of course, smash the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back tomorrow with Jesse and Vince. He will be here as well. First three-man booth in uh, in a few weeks, I think. So looking forward to that. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Friday's Rapid Fire on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.